What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 83 of Process Potables. This episode is titled, We'll Get It Together, or We'll Keep Losing. I don't know. The words of Doc Rivers, the head coach of the 76ers before tonight's game, with the lineup rotations, guys missing time, the Sixers on a three-game, now a three-game losing streak. Uh, you know, it's it's been pretty rough, but we we persevere, we move on, and... You know where you're not going to go on a losing streak if you listen to the right people mm. is DraftKings. Oh, that's right. DK. Masvidal and Uzma put on a show the last time they stepped into the octagon. Round two is sure to pack a punch. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 26 to 1 odds on either title contender to reign victorious. Pick either main event fighter to win during this weekend's UFC 261 title fight, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 26 to 1 odds. Just bet $5 on either fighter to win, and if they walk out with the belt, you will cash $130. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN. That's T-B-P-N. When you sign up to turn $5 into $130 if the title contender of your choice wins, place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code TBPN to turn $5 into $130 if the fighter of your choosing takes home the crown. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. See, if you know who else is not losing, it's us right now. Because although mm-hmm. we sat through that game, and maybe, you know, it wasn't the most enjoyable game, you know, another one without Ben Simmons, another loss, it, it, it's been tough as of late, but we got a nice tasty beer here. It is very tasty. And I want to talk about the beer before we talk about the Sixers, because the beer is making me significantly happier than the Sixers currently are. And why is that, Dan? Because this is a delicious orange and cream ale from Brotherton Brewing out in Atco, New Jersey. And full disclosure, I did just accept a position with them today to be Congrats. the assistant brewer. Thank yeah. you. Uh, cheap plug, cheap plug. But nonetheless. Wait, assistant brewer or assistant to the brewer? Assistant brewer. Okay, okay. There is a pay difference. Nice. So this is called Orange You're Glad. It is an orange cream ale. Uh, a lot different than what we usually drink on the episode. You know, we do our sours, our coffee stouts, our IPAs. This, this an orange cream ale. And the way I explained this to you, Steve, when I poured it for you was, listen, I, I know a lot of people are finally getting back to getting to attend sports events and stuff. And one of the beers that I like to drink at sports events and, you know, tailgates and stuff like that, this is not an ad read, I promise, <laughs> is Bud Light. And I really like their orange variant. I like Bud Light Lime. I really like Bud Light Orange. I, I think it's pretty good because, you know, for a light beer and everything like that. This tastes like Bud Light Orange, but, you know, if somebody who knew how to make beer tried to make it. Yeah. So it's nice and smooth, but it doesn't have that, like, watery, uh, you know, crappy domestic light beer taste. This tastes like a really solid cream out. Just a little hint of orange. It's like a nice natural orange flavor. It doesn't taste too artificial there's no it's not like syrupy or anything so i'm a big fan of this i know you said you're not a big orange and cream guy which actually blew my mind i didn't know that i am but you know your thoughts outside of it not being maybe necessarily the the right beer for you and i apologize yeah no i i i'm wondering if i'm just like in the minority there or i'm i'm never uh 
not sure how many people do or, you know, don't like orange cream things. You know, the classic example being Stewart's, but, uh, True. or those, uh, there's, there's a uh, popsicle sticks. I know a lot of people like, which I could never get into, but for someone who doesn't like that kind of flavor profile, th- this is really good. Um, I think part of it, cause it doesn't taste like overly creamy. I get if that makes any sense. Yeah. And like you said, a nice hint of orange that doesn't feel like, you know, artificial. So yeah, I'm I'm actually a big fan of it. It's uh, you know, I I, I actually enjoy it when I can find a beer uh, whose flavor is one that I typically wouldn't try or you know wouldn't right. like with other things. So it's a it's, it's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, it's always fun trying something different. Obviously, that's one of you know our favorite things about going to breweries, going to beer fest, yeah. all that stuff. Uh, you know, on on that subject, AC Beer Fest, June fourth and fifth, you can still get tickets. We will be there for all the sessions. They announced the bands. Early November, Knuckle Puck, Less Than Jake, Face to Face. They just announced Support Nax, Suicide Machines. They're playing with Less Than Jake. It's another big get. So really excited for that. Um, you can you know find AC Beer Fest on all social media to grab tickets from them. And come say hi. Come hang out with us. We also should have tickets to give away. I'll have more info on that at Ooh. a later time. But we should be giving away tickets as we were supposed to do last year. So stay tuned for that. But I, uh, I got to tell you, Steve. So our friend Brandon Apter of the Garbage in the Gold podcast routinely tunes into our Twitch when we go on. We appreciate that, Brandon. And everybody, make sure to check out Garbage in the Gold. If you're looking for more Sixers content, very good Sixers content, pointed out my haircut. Said a really nice look in the haircut. And I said, how are you going to miss Steve's? Steve got yeah. a haircut more recently than me. And <laughs> I, I, if I were you, Steve, I would be offended. Yeah, definitely. Oh, he said, it's beautiful, and you have a beard he could only dream of having. <laughs> okay, then I won't stir the pot anymore. Thank you, Brandon, for being very nice to both of us. You know who hasn't been nice to both of us? The Philadelphia 76ers. Mm. Unfortunate. Yeah. They have lost three straight. They lost 107 to 96 Monday against Golden State, where Steph Curry goes for 49 points on 50% from the field, 10 of 17 from three. And, you know, you don't have Ben. You don't have Tobias. It's a valiant effort, but Steph Steph Curry is the greatest shooter to ever live. Yeah. He's... A former MVP. He actually is like a real sneaky, you know, he's not going to win it this year, but you could definitely have the conversation that he, he's in the race this year. Um, it's pretty wide open. Obviously, there's a lot of guys that you could say are in the race. It really seems like it's going to come down to Jokic and Embiid, and right. it's probably Jokic and whatever. We're, we're not doing that tonight. But, you know, Steph, Steph is certainly up there, and the uh, the rumors of his demise have certainly been uh, – been a little bit exaggerated to say the least, yeah. I think. And if and I definitely think if you put you know a, a decent team around him, he could very well still make a team a, a threatening contender for God, the if title. there's a demise on that team, it's it's Draymond Green. Well, right. I mean the I whole mean, rest which, of the team is really yeah. the demise, but you know what I mean. Um, you know, Steph, Steph is like thirty three or thirty four, I think. Like he's old yeah. man. So the fact that he's still doing this is pretty impressive. But this is this is one of those things we deal with as Sixers fans, and it seems like it's always the fucking case because he goes and has that performance, and he's been playing. It's not like this was a one off. He's been playing insanely. I think yeah. he's averaging close to forty over his last like fifteen games right. at least. Um, but of course, the next game he plays, they play the Wizards of all people, and he goes seven of twenty five from the field, two for fourteen from three, and only scores eighteen points. So it's like, what the hell, man? Yeah, and and you know it wasn't because you know. Uh, Russell Westbrook locked him down on defense or anything like that. Like that's just, you know, I mean, I'm not going to give, I mean, I'm not going to give Russ a lot of credit, but 
You could definitely say that, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, with the Sixers not having Ben, you know, they put Matisse on him. Matisse tried for the minutes he plays, but Matisse also doesn't play minutes like Russ. So, like, yeah. I didn't watch the game, so I don't actually know. So we're kind of just – Yeah, and I mean, what, that was six or seven games in a row where he shot over 30 points. I mean – You're talking about Steph? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, you're going to be due Westbrook for does, Westbrook does seem like a capable guy that has the energy to hound him and – Harassing him, so I don't. I don't think you can talk shit on Russ in a game where he probably defended him and he does that. But you can't chalk it all up to him either. So you know, it's it's whatever. But. I just hate Russ, so that's my right, agenda. Same. No, I'm with you. Believe um, me, I'm, I'm going to admit that. I don't want you to put me in a position to defend Russell Westbrook, but I also don't know that I'm necessarily going to slander him in a game where Steph played yeah, poorly. I guess so. Whatever. But then we move on to the Phoenix game, and. The most interesting thing about that game was throughout the day, there were talks about who was even going to be available. I think there were, I think four of the five starters were listed as questionable. I think everybody except, I don't even know who wasn't. I'm guessing maybe Seth wasn't because I think Danny was. Tobias and Ben definitely were, and Joel probably was because yeah. Joel wasn't even supposed to play. And I actually said during the day that I thought that I wouldn't have cared if they just tanked that game, like sit everybody. And the league's kind of getting on you for not being able to do that anymore, so maybe that has something to do with the fact that, you know, they, they made somebody suit up. But the only person who, who suits up is Joel Embiid. And Derek Bodner had, had the quote, at least that's where I got it from, or you got it from, appreciate it, uh, from Joel Embiid. And this is the type of thing that creates a lot of discourse among Sixers fans, so we're going to talk about it a little bit. The quote from Embiid was, quote, Even tonight, I wasn't supposed to play. We got a bunch of guys out. It's my job. Just go out and be a leader. Just push every night. I can't rest, even if I'm hurt. That number one seed is important. There's a lot to unpack there. So so let's take it little by little. Joel Embiid was not supposed to play in that game, and he plays. And I think it's fair to talk about the context of that now, knowing that he also played tonight. So a back, you know, a back a, a home road back to back. Yeah. Joel Embiid plays in both games, and he wasn't supposed to play last night, which would lead you all the more to believe that, okay, maybe he was supposed to sit Wednesday and play Thursday. He decides to gear it up for Wednesday because people are out. Shouldn't he then sit Thursday? He plays through both. He plays pretty well in both games. He played really well against the Suns, um, and we're, we're going to talk about the shot, but obviously almost sends the game to overtime, and who knows what happens from there. Maybe they actually are able to pull that off. And then the next night, they go to Milwaukee. You know, he only puts up 24-3 and three on 9 of 21, so it's not the best Joel Embiid game, but, you know, it, the whole team just, just didn't look right, and it's clear that they're dealing with a lot of issues with chemistry and rotation because guys haven't have been in and out. So let, let's stick with wasn't supposed to play. Steve, we're getting close to the end of the season. We know they're going to be a top team in the East. We know they have title aspirations. Does Joel Embiid have to push himself and not rest even if he's hurt, in your opinion? In my opinion, yes, because Wednesday night's game against the Suns, I mean, if we play the Suns again, that's because we're in the NBA Finals against them. And I think going down the stretch, a lot of people try to you know predict where the easy wins are going to come from and rest guys on certain days, but Joel Embiid's never made it past the second round, and I'm not trying to be the guy that says, you know, he's not durable, the best abilities, availability, blah, 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 blah. But when you have a matchup like that against, 
you know, obviously he's not uh, defending Chris Paul or Booker one-on-one, but just playing on a team that that's been really good. I think that's a really good test in preparation for the playoffs. And I think just him being available to play, especially the really tough games, uh, you know, if at the end of the season, I think we what we finished the season with a two game series against Orlando. Yes. I mean, if there's not much of a stand, if there's nothing to benefit standings wise, then I'm okay. Him mailed it in those two games or not playing any of them, but I want, I'd rather see him play the, the games where, that it's likely going to create the closest thing to a, you know a playoff environment or you know a tough game. So okay, that's that. I did not think you were going to go there with that. I I appreciate that. I think that's a good answer. I disagree, okay. only because I I don't think he needs to go out if he's hurt. He doesn't need to play against Phoenix on Wednesday night. He really doesn't. It's not even in the same conference. You have a lead. Brooklyn is injured. Milwaukee's a few games behind you. And my thought, again, is like, fine, sit everybody against Phoenix. Who fucking cares? You're probably going to lose anyway. And look, they did. Yeah. And granted, that was without Ben and Tobias. So maybe that makes the difference. But you never actually know. You can't just say, oh, they lost by three. So Tobias is in, they win. Like, basketball doesn't work that way. A lot of people, unfortunately, will look at that and think that it does. It doesn't. But I had said, sit everybody so that you're ready for Milwaukee. Milwaukee came into tonight three and a half games behind us for the one seed. They just gained a game. We play them again on Saturday. Yeah. They could gain another one. So now we've we've looked at this as essentially a, a two-dog race between us and Brooklyn. Milwaukee can very easily make a play. And here's the thing. I don't know if you're getting to this point, but Milwaukee also has a back-to-back series against the Nets too. Yeah. So I think, at the, I mean, Saturday's a must-win in my opinion. Because, yes, we have the tiebreaker against the Nets, but we definitely don't have it against the Bucks now. So... Depending how the rest of the season plays out, uh, I mean, uh, it's Harden that's out again, right? Uh, Harden's out, and I think think Kate. I think Durant's out too, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, maybe the Nets slip to three. You don't know that Kyrie doesn't have more PTO available. It seems like he has an endless amount. (laughs) Yeah. But no, I wasn't even going to bring up the the two games against the Nets, but that's a great point. And I think it furthers my point of the fact that I don't think Embiid needs to push it. And so I phrased this to somebody uh, who was asking about it on Twitter. And I said, listen, which which one do you get? We, we've talked about the one seed. I've stressed the importance of it up and down. I think you agree with me. So I don't yeah. think we need to go over that. I think the one seed is incredibly valuable. Not only are they a much better team at home, but you only play one of Brooklyn or Milwaukee most likely. But if you said, here's here's my hypothetical. And, and again, this it's a hypothetical. You can be the one seed, but Joel Embiid is going to miss a minimum of one game per series. Or you can be the two seed, but Joel Embiid goes into the playoffs saying, I'm at about 90%, and barring an actual injury, plays every playoff game. Which one do you give them a better chance at? I, I'll, I'll go with the latter because, I, let's face it, we're never going to get 100% Joel Embiid right. anyway. And, right. uh, you know, for... I mean, listen, especially if we face the Nets sort of the Bucks, like that that's a six, seven game series, so you don't want him missing any games. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're not good enough to miss him a game in a series, I don't think. I really don't. Yeah. And and I've been on the of of the belief this entire season that I think they're the best team in the East. I think they can get there. So that's how but that's 
assuming he's playing all the time. Yeah. Somebody somebody in our Twitch chat said, or was it in the Twitch chat or was it on Twitter? Now I'm getting some of it mixed up. Uh, no, this was on Twitter as well. Said that they could win a first-round series against the Knicks without Joel Embiid. No, they can't. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not putting my money on that. I don't trust this team to win any series without no. Joel Embiid. They're, like, could they? Maybe. Are you really willing to risk it? Do you have that much confidence in the rest of this team? No. I don't. I sure don't. Nope. So, I think it's far more important. And here's the other thing that I said. And again, I have been bullish on the Nets all season. I don't believe in the Nets. And I understand that, like, like I'm not saying that to be arrogant or anything. Like, I respect those three players. But when have they played? Will they play? And can anyone on that team play defense? The answer to all of those things are are no or I don't know. Yeah. So here's the thing. If you are the two seed or the three seed, and let's say Milwaukee ends up one and you play the Nets in round two, send them home. Yeah. Get them the fuck out of here. Get the fuck and, out of and here. And what do you what do you think's gonna make you more prepared for Milwaukee? Playing the Nets in a tough series and sending them home, or getting the coast against the Celtics or the Heat. That's true. And though and and Milwaukee dragging it out and beating the Nets, and then Giannis being on the warpath. Like, yeah. And then there's, uh, yeah. If we could get Brooklyn out, then that, yeah. Right. And the um, what was the other thing? Uh, oh well, like you know, you've probably I know you. You're kind of just getting back into the flow of the pod after like six weeks of being out, but um, I'm even I'm sure even before that I was saying this, and you know we 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 talked through that time too. Like I've been more scared of Milwaukee all season. You have, yeah. And tonight isn't a good example because you don't have Ben Simmons, but you had everybody else, and you know not Furk on either, and that's actually a big deal to me. But I won't I won't yeah. go crazy about it or anything. But you know, missing your second best player is kind of a big deal. Um. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even do it. <laughs> but you know, tonight, tonight's not a fair example of why to be afraid of them because you you, you will have been. Uh, you know, I assume we, we, it, they've really been kind of strange about what's going on with Ben right now, and we don't know for sure because you had this information uh, that apparently Doc was asked about and said like. What was it? How did he phrase he, it? He basically says he never tells this, uh, if any particular player is going to make a road trip or not. So, and the what fact that, and, and, and this always what happens like in, in, in every sport when uh, a star player is not, you know, playing, the camera, you know, a couple times throughout the game always points to that guy right. on the bench to get his reaction mm-hmm. or whatever. There is none of that tonight. Yeah, my guess is he's not there. Yeah, because like, I and don't see the st- benefit in keeping Ben locked up in a hotel or wherever. To Well, people are speculating this. I mean, I think somebody said something about Doc saying it was the flu, and now people are scared it's a COVID thing, which yeah. Ben's already had his run-ins with it this season. Uh, you'll remember that him and Joel apparently went to a barber, mm. uh, and the contract tracing thing got back to both of them, which caused them each. I think Ben missed two games and Joel missed three. Yeah. Or maybe I had that backwards. Yeah, for an uh, all-star game that they shouldn't have played in. Right, place. that's right. It's for the all-star game, exactly. Yep. So um, the thing, if we're looking at this Milwaukee game and trying to find takeaways, which, again, I don't think it's a great indicator for the Sixers, obviously not having Ben, but here's what I think it tells you. It tells you 
you know, Ben has created quite a discourse this season, and he's played, he's had his ups and downs for sure. Uh, we're both Ben guys, so again, not something we have to go too deep in. But you saw what happens to Joel Embiid on the defensive end without Ben Simmons. And I saw a video, I don't know if it was like NBA on TNT posted this or, you know, if it was like Bleacher Report or something like that, but uh, some Twitter account posted a video right before the game tipped off of some, uh, like, uh, like a video clip of a bunch of times Embiid was mic'd up and there's all these sound bites. And it was really cool because I, I, I've never seen this. And, I, and mm. I feel like this is something we surprisingly haven't seen that much of. And it wasn't him like, like being it like there, you know, there's some funny stuff in there, but it's mostly like there's a lot of stuff like of him on the court, like calling out on defense, like calling out, you know, which way the ball is going, like telling guys where to move, like being a very vocal and active guy. And there was uh, a scene that stood out to me where uh, it was his pregame shoot around. I, I don't know who they were playing. I couldn't tell, obviously, but Matisse is shooting threes, and Joel is just talking him up. He's like Matisse. He's like. He's like, go out there, defend, but defend without fouling. He's like, I'm behind you. I got you. And I was like, man, like that's awesome. Yeah, like that's what Joel's always been. Spoken like, like a, um, hmm, a leader, like a uh, MVP, MVP, MVP. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But my point to that is that the stress that is put on Joel when he doesn't have a guy like Ben, you know, being that perimeter defender and feeding guys to him, and you know, kind of harassing them on the way to him, is you saw tonight that like he just can't do it all, and this is a reason that uh, Milwaukee, I'm sorry, Milwaukee has scared me all season, is because Brooke Lopez can shoot the three as a stretch five, yeah. and like Joel really can't stay with him because you can't remove Joel from the rim no. when they have Giannis and now Drew and. You know, they still Chris Middleton, so... And, I mean, Bobby Porter shot the fucking lights out tonight. What the hell is going on? Yeah. So, if the Bucks are going to hit threes, it's going to be a very tough assignment for the Sixers. But that definitely means you have to have Ben Simmons. Because as people have been talking about for the last few weeks, and, you know, some people even longer, Ben and Matisse are easily two of the most incredible perimeter shot blockers the league has ever seen. You don't see guys block three-point shots. No. These guys do it all the time. It's kind of interesting, too, because I think they said this on the broadcast during the Suns game about how Matisse has over 35 blocks for the season, and he's the only guard who's among the lead leader in uh, total blocks throughout the season. And he plays bench minutes, man. Yeah, and like, let's be honest, like back in the day growing up watching basketball, if they blocked uh, a three-pointer, you know, mid-range shot, like that's usually luck. It's like, you know, out of the one of a thousand times you put your hand up to get in their face, like you just happen to get like, and it's usually like a small fingertip of a block where, you know, Matisse, uh, he's putting it in the stand. He's bro. get, yeah, he's getting after it. I would just wonder if either he just is, I mean, it's probably both like either it's, he just has great instincts and, you know, the perfect timing, especially from around the arc or it just doesn't really seem to be, seem to matter where on the court he is. He can always make that block, but I also kind of wonder if that's a skill that they're trying to teach younger players. And he's just like, like he's a master at that. Yeah. I don't know about the teaching younger players saying, I think you, you got the, you nailed it on the, on the first half of that. His instincts are incredible. We knew that last year. And the thing was, you know, honing that and like tightening that up and really, you know, fine tuning those things. And that's what you've seen from him in year two is really, uh, you know, learning the craft more. And there was a quote from Danny Green. I think it was after last night's game. It might have been after Monday. I forget. But he was 
like all the vets have been being asked about Matisse Thibel all season, which is cool because obviously, like we said, Matisse only plays bench minutes. He's kind of like, you know, maybe your eighth guy in the rotation. Yeah. But he gets so much praise from everybody. And Danny Green was asked, like, who Matisse reminds him of. And he said, he reminds me of a better version of me. <laughs> really? This is Danny Green, who's a three-time champion, has been on the last two champion teams, is, like, literally going to end up being, like, the prototypical, like, historic remembrance of what 3 and D Ex- is. Yeah, I was about to say that, too. Yeah. And he's already saying in Matisse's second year, Playing alongside him, that Matisse reminds him of a better version of him. Like that's high praise, man. Yeah. And I know people like people have had their ups and downs with Danny for especially the first half of the season. It seems like everyone's kind of coming around and realized what I've been saying. Not, all not, year. not, not us. Yeah, not us. I uh, was ecstatic to have Danny Green. Well, I think everybody was happy they got him, especially under the circumstance that he came in the Al Horford deal. But yeah, but there were people definitely ready to sell on him early, and it's like uh, again, I've, we've said this yep. a million times, but. One, I was only expecting him to really contribute in the playoffs. Not only is he contributing a ton in the second half of the season, he's also like the only guy who's played almost. He's played every almost game. every game. I think yeah. he missed one, didn't he? I think he recently did get a he game. He did, off. yeah. But still, that's crazy. So, I put this out there. This has been getting a, a decent amount of attention. But talking about you know this team and and the starters and just the you know what they've been dealing with cuz people are going to be down right now with with the way that they're trending and worried about where you know losing ground in the standings and stuff like that the last time this team had the starting lineup available was last Wednesday against the Nets so they've played four straight without the starting lineup they've actually only had the five starters so Ben Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. They've only had those guys in 24 of 59 games now. They're 20 and 4 in those games. 20 and 4. And that five man lineup has like several of the best overall plus minuses of the entire season, which like plus minus again can be skewed sometimes, but still for the most part, like that yeah. means that that lineup has been dominant. Like, Time in and time out, and not just one time, including being tied for the best plus minus in a game this season. The day after Christmas, they played the Knicks, and that five-man lineup was a plus 32, and the lineup they're tied with is the Jazz starting five. And where are the Jazz in the NBA? Oh, they have the best record in the league. Yeah. And while I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, are not believers that they're going to the finals at all, they're a contender. They're an elite sure. team yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, are they going to get knocked out in the second round? Probably, but they're still an elite team. So it's good company to be in. And it tells you all you need to know about when this team is healthy. So I think the point we're really getting at in all of this is you got to get these guys there and you've got to get them there in, you know, the best shape we can get them in. And no one's going to be at a hundred percent. No one right. goes into the playoffs at a hundred percent, but you need everybody to beat Milwaukee and you're probably going to go in healthier than Brooklyn. Now, with all of that said, how are you on the idea of starting Furk and having Curry come off the bench? Well, so the the more public perception narrative on that is going to be to start George Hill. So I think we should start there. Yeah. So I'll ask you how you feel about George Hill becoming a starter over Seth Curry. And then I'll tell you why it should be Furk on Korkmaz, which I've already done on here. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's certainly true. I think, I mean, we, I think, what it ultimately comes down to is 
what we've seen throughout the regular season, and I'm sure this will continue into the playoffs, is that fourth quarter tends to be Toby's time. Well, we're in you know seven game series. There's going to be one or two games where uh, he's in foul trouble. He's just not making his shots. So who else other than Embiid can you count on at the end of the game? And I think George Hill is probably your best option there. So I don't know if I like him starting the game. Uh, I think it seems like the best Seth Curry games we get. It's just, and I don't know if this is you know statistically true, but it seems like he plays better at the start of the game. Uh, so maybe I'm wrong there. It'd be but, interesting to look up. I think if you if like I had to guess, I think I'd agree with you. Yeah. It seems so that way. and it's just like and with everything you you know, being 20 and four together as a starting lineup. I mean, that doesn't mean you got to end the game with the starting lineup. You, you know, sometimes you just got to go with the hot hand or, you know, I mean, someone like George Hill would just how he's played like a thousand playoff games. So I think in the last, it's definitely four, not that many. Uh, okay. Maybe it's like, I think it's like hundred. Yeah. No, I know. I know. But having him in the last five minutes of the game, especially needs some uh, defensive shots or, uh, you know, a three-pointer, which we know Seth, Cur- you know, Curry can obviously hit threes, but can he hit that in crunch time where at a big moment in the playoffs? Like, I think I'd rather have George Hill take that shot. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about, uh, you know, like a corner three, late playoff game, tie, win, dagger kind of shot, I mean, it's Danny Green over everybody. Oh, well, but, yeah, yeah. Um, and still, I would probably say just George Hill definitely has the experience and maybe the more, like, Ice in his veins, so to speak. Yeah. Seth Curry's still an incredible shooter. I'm finally taking a shot. But, uh, you know, we've talked about this, so you know, uh, like, the George Hill thing, I'm in agreement. I think George, I mean, I don't think anybody would argue that George Hill is going to close games. He's going to be out there. You need another facilitator. You need another ball handler. And I like what you mentioned about Tobias because still people are, you know, people are still kind of not all the way there on him. He's yeah. been getting a lot of praise and people are, are coming back and walking back some bad takes. And I appreciate that. I'm not here to dunk on the Tobias haters. Now. I think we've done enough of that. I, I think everyone has, has served their sentence and we can all yeah. collectively be Tobias fans. Now. So they're no longer in jail. They're, okay. they're on, they're on they're, like a, they still, parole. Okay. yeah. Is that where you still, uh, probation? They have like a proba- I'm probation. I'm the probation is officer. before you go into jail. Parole's after. Whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm the guy that checks it. Oh, so it's a parole officer. That's yes. what it is. You're right. Okay. Cool. Not, not a big jail guy. I'm never in jail because yeah. usually I'm right and my takes are great. So ne- <laughs> don't know anything about jail. The Tobias thing is, is, I don't think talked about that much because if you ask most people and they're going to say, all right, well, what's going to be our go-to down the stretch in a playoff game? It's going to be Joel Embiid. Yeah. You're right. For the season, it has actually been a lot of Tobias Harris. Now, granted, Embiid's missed 18 games, so that was a lot of showcasing Tobias late in games because you don't have Embiid. But even when Embiid's been out there, Tobias has had his moments. The problem with Tobias, if we're talking about this team at like full strength and everything, is that him and Embiid just don't seem to have, like, a great two-man game or anything. Like, Tobias is an isolation scorer. I don't think he does plays well with others as far as, like, that crunch time thing. So if you're yeah. going to go to Tobias, you're going to run isolation. Like, Embiid can set a screen and stuff, but, like, they they just don't seem like they've really got that. Maybe it's something they're, they're keeping in their back pocket. I don't know. You yeah. know, it's not to say they can't do it. They're obviously both incredible players, so they certainly could do it. And the beautiful thing about it is that Embiid could easily – 
you know, play the ball handler, like pick and pop guy too. Cause we know Embiid yeah. in his mid range game. So oh, he that's, loves doing that, yeah. that's the fun thing about Joel Embiid. But the thing with George Hill, and we've only seen George Hill in three games now, but George Hill seems like he has a pretty good back and forth game with Embiid. And that's something I think they're going to work on a lot. And that's why I think George Hill is going to be so valuable closing games out because most teams that have a lot of success, you know, you can't really just run isolation. You can force the ball out of somebody's hands in those situations. So, you know, if if you try to run that with Tobias, do you think teams are going to, you know, really force it out of his hand? No, they're probably going to live and die with it because if not, you know, it might free up a guy like Embiid or yeah. Danny Green. So you can probably run that, but what's the success rate? The difference is when you start running a two-man game instead, you open up so many other things. And especially when we're talking about guys like Danny Green and Seth Curry, if you start having George Hill and Embiid running a two-man game and you put Curry and Green in the corners, it's lethal, man. Oh yeah, And I think that's like the ideal way to work around keeping Ben Simmons on the floor in those situations because Ben can be a screen setter. But if you've got all those scoring options, and again, like Seth could be Tobias. Uh, Tobias could be in for Ben. Maybe it's not Ben. But between those six guys, you can create a five-man lineup where every single play you can basically just run the two-man game with Hill and Embiid, and you either you know pick your poison with that, and I trust both of them, or when teams start to aggressively go after it, you're going to leave somebody else open that I trust, whether that's Seth, whether that's Danny, hell, whether it's Shake, Tobias, whoever. Like, they have the pieces. So, again, I'm not worried about those things. I think they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to have chances to, to work on it and everything. And I honestly think, like, don't be surprised if come the playoffs in those final minutes, you know, we're talking about things they may do. Everyone's going to propose different ideas. I guarantee you we're going to see things that nobody thinks about. Like, they're going to keep stuff hidden. It's the same way. I hope so, yeah. A lot of people, when you talk about football, talk about teams not really giving away the whole playbook all the time. Teams keep stuff in their playbook for specific weeks, for specific opponents. Like, coaches really, like, look ahead and do that. Like, the NBA is a lot harder to do that. Obviously, you play more frequently and this, that, and the other thing. But there's still wrinkles, I think, that they're, you know, not showing us. And Doc Rivers is the kind of coach you definitely have to expect that of, I think. So, so you think, well, uh, in- including, you know, some of those tricks up his sleeves, you think any of that includes uh, Ben Simmons hitting threes? No. <laughs> Dude, I'm pretty sure he's at three. And DraftKings had his season total at 3.5. And I have the over, and I'm going to scream. I'm going to scream. But beside the point. Um, Yeah, so I... I, The the Ben thing scares me, man. Yeah. Now, we talked about they obviously can't do anything without Embiid. And we don't know enough about Ben to, to really talk about anything. But still, like... You know, what's the ceiling of this team with, like... Obviously, we know George Hill isn't Ben defensively, but do you think if if George Hill had to be the fifth start and you don't have Ben, do you where do you think this team's ceiling is? Well, I, I think uh, definitely we're not going to finish the season at number one. I don't think probably. And I mean, you know, maybe we could buy a first round opponent like the Knicks, but I, I don't know if we really go much further than that, man. Yeah, it's scary. I hate it's, the unknown. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, like, do you recall seeing anything the last time he played that would have looked like it was that severe of an injury or anything? 
No, and now that I think about it, what scares me even more is that whether it's the flu or COVID, he's not just going to show up Saturday night and be him same, his same, same self. Like, he's definitely going to be rusty. And, like, like look at Tatum, for instance, earlier in the season. he He's even said that he just doesn't – he's way more tired. He just doesn't feel the same after having COVID. And then, dude, t- two years ago, um, I think it was two years ago in a series – before the Toronto series and that series that he had like the gastroenteritis thing. So, I mean, we've talked about how things like hamstrings are weird or, you know, knees can be bad depending on what part of your knee you're hurting. A lot of injuries, we can associate that with uh, certain players and how they play or their frame. But like, if, if it's like a real in- illness, whether flu, COVID or God knows what, like that, I mean, like you said, the unknown's scary. Like, who, who knows what that is? The Tatum, the Tatum thing is really scary, and obviously, we joke about the Celtics and we like to make fun of all those guys. But that Tatum thing is really scary, man. Yeah, that sucks. Like, that's like, there's no way he's the only guy dealing with that. And you, honestly, I think you have to give him credit for coming out and saying it because, yeah, I think a lot of guys, especially like guys who haven't gotten paid yet, are not going to want to admit that, like. You know, they this this may have had a significant impact on their conditioning, on you know their ability, and they don't know how long that's going to last because no one's ever seen anything like this, man. Yeah, that's what's crazy. Like that's something I could see in like fifteen, twenty years when COVID is. It's like the NBA's CTA. Yeah, or like that can be the thing that they do, like a thirty for thirty or some sort of documentary series. Like, you know, this COVID thing. Hit a lot of people thought that people who are you know professional athletes are really healthy or athletic, you know those type of people are always best uh, prepared for you know any kind of injury or illness when that is not the case at all with COVID. Right. And then that's just gonna you know obviously it's really the one thing that really does affect everyone in a completely different way. So I mean I could see that having like a little bit of a ripple effect or you know so. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, and that's something I, you know, as much as we hate Tatum and the Celtics, like, I don't wish that on my worst no, enemy, No, of course man. not. You know? And, and, dude, it's been a bad week, man. Uh, Trey Young went down. Yeah. Um, the Tatum thing is a couple weeks old, but we saw that. Uh, somebody else? Uh, um, was it uh, Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, Donovan Mitchell yeah. went down. Uh, the uh, guy in uh, Golden at- State, I forget his name. He's not. A big player, but he got it like carted off the uh, court. Oh, that one I'm not sure about. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you have Zach Levine, who's been out for COVID protocol too. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of big names down the stretch um, having their share of issues. And, you know, that 30 for 30 that you talked about, which will probably happen, you know what I would call it? What's that? Adam Silver jail. Hmm. Yeah. Fuck Adam Silver, man. Fuck that dude. So. Let's look forward to Saturday. So Saturday, it's an afternoon game on ESPN, I think, right? Like a 3.30? Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's assume no Ben because it doesn't seem like he made the trip. But assuming everyone else is available who, who played tonight, you know, looking back on this game and what you saw, I mean, are, are there any adjustments you think they can make, you know, even if it's just, you know, from now until Saturday that you think could, could potentially have the game at least be a little bit closer? Yeah. Uh, I mean, one... I don't know what kind of scheme or anything, but maybe take Brooke Lopez a little more seriously. 
Uh, you know, well, he, do you think he, that was a matter? I mean, we talked about this. Do you think they didn't take him seriously, or do you think that it was Joel? I mean, Joel has to stay to help against Giannis, right? Yeah, there's there's also that, and I think uh, would you try Embiid like manned on Giannis, and then have like Tobias stick with Brooke? I mean, possibly because we look, saw that was that that wasn't this year, right? Was that last year on Christmas? Yeah, we saw Embiid. Especially towards the end of the game, yeah, that was the ball, that was Giannis. last year's Christmas game where they where they right. beat them, and Embiid was pretty much the man the man guy on Giannis. And and listen, if Giannis decides not to attack the rim and takes these 18, 20 foot jump shots, I'm fine with that. Well, of course, everyone's yeah, fine with that, especially with Embiid defending him. So, you know, or I was going to suggest playing zone defense, but I don't think that's a good idea. But uh, there's that. Why not? I mean, it keeps him in the post, and as long as he doesn't get called for uh, three-second violations, I guess that could work. But, I mean, hey, man, whatever. Well, now that I think about I mean, that we haven't really seen it as of late, but that used to be, you know, especially the Celtics' answer for Ben Simmons, who always attacked the rim. They did that zone defense. They, like, they, uh, the two guards at the top of the key just never let them pass the foul line. Uh, so, I mean, maybe – some kind of scheme like that could stop Giannis. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the problem obviously is that they've surrounded him with actual talent, but yeah, you know, Drew Holiday is a average three point shooter. I wouldn't call him elite. He's definitely gotten better, but he could certainly have an off night. Chris Middleton's a great shooter. We know that Brooke Lopez is generally a good three point shooter, especially for a center, but he has his off games as well. I mean, it comes down to, you know, who are you willing to let beat you? Yeah. And uh, even tonight, I mean, uh, Danny Green, as much as we uh, love and have, and, and well, everyone's been celebrating him recently. We've been celebrating him all year, of course, but uh, Danny Green went 0 for 1 from 3, 0 points. Yeah. Like, I mean, really bad Danny Green game. I mean, uh, it seemed, I think just, I. Yeah, and I, and I think that's just like. That's we got to talk the, about the Adam Silver jail thing some more because M- Milwaukee hadn't played since Monday. Yeah. And we played last night at home. And had to come to Milwaukee for this one. Right. And now we have to stay there and play them again. So, like, what the That's fuck, That's some bullshit. It's bullshit. I'm yeah. very upset about it. It's terrible scheduling. Adam Silver jail. But, no, I like a lot of the things that, that you presented. I think that, you know, if they want to win. And, I mean, honestly, it's the same thing you'd have to figure in a seven-game in a seven game series. You're ultimately, to win four of those games... I think Joel Embiid's going to have to guard Giannis for at least, like, half of the game. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't want to ask him to do it for, especially because Giannis will probably play fucking, like, 40 minutes a game. Like, you can't ask Embiid to do it with his entire game because you need him too much on the other end to exert that much energy. But you have to throw it at them and then, like, make Giannis guess when he comes up the court if he's even going to have to deal with that or not. Yeah. And and just leave it to be the unknown. But, yeah, it, it'll be something interesting to uh, I'm to I'm very curious to. what kind of minutes Embiid will get in the playoffs. Like, he's going to want to play almost every minute um, because a lot of times this year, you know, that second unit that Doc Rivers sends in at the end of the first quarter going into the beginning of the second quarter just lingers on a little too much or actually even worse uh, – between the third and fourth yeah, that's, quarters, was, yeah, that's even worse. Uh, so that's that's where I feel like they I play, better they fucking play not much. see that shit in the playoffs. I mean, Embiid's gonna play thirty-five, I think. So you're gonna have yeah. to get thirteen out of Dwight Howard, but I think you can. Oh yeah, I've been fine with I'm, that all year. Yeah. I, I know he's had his mental lapses, and I know he's had his hiccups, but like, man, 
it's also the regular season and like you know guys aren't gonna just be full focused up every night you know they're gonna have stretches where they're down we've seen it from Ben we've seen it from everybody man like it happens they're they're human the yeah. playoffs is a different thing Dwight's been there you know Dwight was on that Lakers team last year like he knows what it takes to like quote unquote flip that switch, which you know is a phrase that we all fucking hate at this point. But like, there is something to be yeah. said about just taking that extra step. It, you know, it's not necessarily a whole on and off thing, but there's a there's a different level of intensity. We've preached it all season. We know that this is a team that we think will be built for that. And and the biggest takeaway has to be like that again. That starting five man, like that lineup. Uh, you know, their defensive rating, you know, their plus one, the way that they just, like, beat teams on both ends of the court, like, the defensive intensity from this team, if everyone's available and they're now playing, you know, the playoff games, like, I think that that's going to be an entire different animal. It's something that Brooklyn certainly can't do. It's something that Milwaukee, you know, is okay. Like, I don't consider Milwaukee the greatest defensive team, but they've got guys that can obviously hang, but... You know, you would probably consider the Nets the best offensive team in the conference, but you'd probably consider the Sixers, like, the second or third best offensive team and the best defensive team, where I wouldn't have the Nets. The Nets are, like, in the bottom, like, 10 of the league in defense. And Milwaukee, you know, is probably, like, a top five in both. So, again, it just speaks to why I feared Milwaukee much more than the Nets. Uh, Not only that, but they're pretty much healthy. Yeah, they're healthy. They've been playing together all year. I mean... And pretty much, like, other than Drew, like, for a they've while. Been, yeah, they've, been for that, a few That core's been together for a little bit now. Yeah. And you also don't have the whole anxiety of, oh, well, is this Giannis's last run in Milwaukee? Oh, my God, is he going to leave? Like, he's already put that yeah, shit to sleep. That's so not... I think that could have been a really, like, interesting noisemaker for this playoffs if it was still in play. But now it's it's really not. So, um it's going to be tough, man. Yeah, and, and I mean, this kind of contradicts what I said earlier, but the Sixers finishing the uh, one seed, the benefit is if the first one, possibly two rounds, you're playing, you know, first round someone, say, Charlotte or Washington, second round you get, you know, the Knicks, you know, or, or whomever. I mean, if if those games don't last the full seven series. And full maybe, seven games. Or full seven games, rather, and – uh, MB doesn't have to play forty plus minutes a night. I mean, maybe just that slight, you know, preservation. That's a, could that's ha- a really great point. Yeah, man. I don't know if that's been talked about enough, but and, and I think that all comes back to that one seed discussion, man. Like, if you can get to like five game series before you go to the conference finals, yeah. and again, you know, we already talked about the fact that no one's going to be a hundred percent. But if you can get these guys that are feeling good and then not have to run them into the ground to win every series, like. That's the one thing we don't talk about enough when we talk about, I hate to bring it up, but that Raptors series. And, like, we all talked a lot about how we thought, dude, if they if they win that series, they probably win the title. Like, a lot of people believe that. And, and I'm, I'm there. Believe me. Yeah. I'm guilty. But the thing you have to consider, though, is, like, that series kicked their ass, man. Yeah. Like, they very easily could have just walked out into that next series with Milwaukee and gotten the shit kicked out of them because they were just burnt out. And, like, you go from – once you bring yourself up to that level and then, like, even, a, you know, a day or two off and resetting and a new opponent can totally, like, reset so many things for you. And they could have came out flat-footed as hell and got the, you know, the, their fucking asses kicked. Yeah, and it's always funny, too, how in uh, the past, like, 20 years or so – when you see how a lot of times these playoffs play out, 
if one team, let's say, I feel like this happened one year with the Lakers. They had a four-game sweep in the second round, and whoever they played in the conference uh, series, that team went to seven games. And because of the NBA, they never had back-to-backs in the playoffs. They had like a seven, eight, nine-day rest. Like sometimes that just happens if you're able to sweep a team and your next opponent goes seven games. And a lot of people, then there's a debate. is like, oh, are they getting too much rest, you know, right. between series and games? But, wow, would that uh, really benefit the Sixers? Like, I'd be like, oh, yep, get, get all the rest you can, man. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that would necessarily be a problem for them. I think, obviously, you know, like you said, there's, there's always ups and downs to both. But I think, especially with a guy like Embiid, you would have to value the rest over the rust. Yeah. So I think a lot of us would, would definitely take that. Um, I don't know, man. I think I th- I think we covered a lot. I don't think you know we're obviously heading down the home stretch here, so I don't want to do too much long term playoff stuff because we'll have episodes to do that as well, and we'll have a much better idea as we get closer. So I mean, really, right now, I, I like you said, I don't think Saturday is a must win, but it's I mean, it's the biggest game left on the schedule. Yeah, it's not even close. This is the la- like Saturday is the last real test. Yeah, and it really helps us that between us, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn, we have. We definitely have the easier schedule. Oh yeah. So, um, especially since they're playing against each other twice. Is the only other like winning team we play the rest of the way New Orleans? I think you might be right. I think they play. I'm the trying Sp- to look that I up. I think right they play now. the Spurs, who might be sitting around like five hundred. So I guess you could throw them in, but I think that's it, man. Yeah, the Spurs are twenty eight and twenty nine. So they're, oh, so they're not even. Yeah, they're not even five hundred. Okay, but I, I think they're like I think they're. Potentially in the play in tourney in the West, so yeah, not like, even the Pelicans. They're they're twenty six and thirty three. Okay, I mean, but they're better than that record, and we know that, and we've seen it. So it's yeah. still definitely like the only other measuring stick game, probably. So yeah, so I mean, in the month of May, the only team that they play that has a winning record is the Heat. Oh, the Heat. Okay. So, but I mean, in the month of May, Spurs, Bulls, Rockets, Pelicans, Pistons, Two Pacers, the Magic. Yeah, heat and then magic, magic. I mean, you know that's that that's pretty favorable. So yeah, like I said, I I'm really hoping if they can get if they can get to the last five games with a two game lead or better. Yeah, like I'm I'm locking Shut it, it down. I'm locking. Yeah. I'm locking. Yeah, because it even that playoff tourney that that's not gonna put a big delay between the end of the season. But and it's still a couple of days, which I think is perfect because yeah. it's, I think it's scheduled for the 18th to the 21st and the playoffs begin the 22nd. So yeah, that sounds right. It's still just a nice little three. And then again, like we talked, you know, the difference in rest and rust, I don't think three, you know, three days off with the schedule they've been playing shouldn't yeah. completely like slow them down or, or, or make them rusty, but it's definitely a welcome rest considering they're not getting three days off. They haven't had three days off probably since the all-star break. Yeah. And they're not getting three days off until that stretch. So no. I'm sure it'll be welcomed. I'm sure it'll be important. And uh, hopefully they're able to do that, have the one seed, you know, get prepared, have an easy first-round matchup with a Chicago or a New York or uh, maybe even a Washington. So we'll see. So hopefully that's the case. Um, I want to thank everybody who tuned in on Twitch. Anybody who listens to this, we appreciate it. Make sure you follow all our socials at Process Potals. We're on Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, Untapped, uh, all that stuff. 
Uh, we'll be at AC Beer Fest. Make sure you find them on, on any social media if you're looking for tickets for that. Come out, hang out. It's going to be awesome. It's outdoors. Um, there will be, you know, social distancing and, and safety protocols and stuff like that. But still trying to get back to normal, have a good time, have some beers. Um, I don't know all the logistics, so please don't ask me. Let's put it this way. Almost anywhere, a couple of weeks ago, I went to Hershey Park, and they, quote, unquote, enforced safety guidelines. And there was a complete fucking bullshit. It seemed yeah. overcrowded. This is taken... You know, it, you know, taking place at a gigantic field with a limited capacity. Yep. So, and outside. So, yep. I, I don't have any worries. No, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I mean, we're obviously both fully vaxxed, so that's nice, too. But yep. uh, f- get fucking vaccinated, you nerds. Yeah. Uh, and just want to shout out our friends at Steady Picks. Um, on Monday, Steady Picks Radio goes live. There will be a handful of shows Monday through Friday, every day, giving you betting advice, betting tips uh, for multiple sports, different things, talking about you know betting in general, giving out plays, uh, things like that. I will be hosting a NBA betting show every day that is called Nothing But Net. So if you tune into that, it'll air at 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern, plus some other random uh, repeats uh, in the 9 to 11 and 4 to 6 window. But um, if you want to make sure you catch it from start to finish, tune in at 9 or at 4. Yeah, very excited to start that. And uh, Steve, anything you want to plug or anything? Dude, thank God we fucking play the Suns twice a year because I am fucking tired of hearing about Mikel Bridges. Oh, I thought... Like, ooh, can we stop? I thought you were going to talk about st- a, another former Sixer, and I was like, oh, this is a this is going to be... No, hot, I hot just... I, I, I had to say that. People forget that we get, you know, we acquired that Miami pick, which at the time was the, the pick to have, and if we didn't have that, we would have got Tobias, so... Okay, listen, I'm with you there. I agree, but now we're going to talk about this real quick. <laughs> the one thing, though, is come on. Like, this fu- This is the only franchise in the league that I honestly believe would draft a kid that went to a local college whose mom works for the team and is yeah. getting interviewed on ESPN when she finds out her son got traded for a dude who is not an NBA player. Yeah. Only this fucking team, man. Only this team. But you're right. That pick was very important, and it was still a good deal overall. But holy shit. And Bridges looks good, man. It's Yeah, he's, he is a player that everyone, you know, foresee him being, whereas Zaire is um, working at Target, I, I think. Yeah, now. probably. I uh, yeah, I think he works at a Target in Detroit or something yeah. right now. So, yeah. All right. So, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. For Steve, I'm Dan. Again, at Process Potables on all the socials. You can find Steve on Twitter at SWJones87. You're looking for a new handle, aren't you? Yeah, and if someone comes up with something good and catchy, I'll give you some bacon that I made myself or something fancy. Oh, shit. I want to win. I was going to say we can give him a shirt. We can do that if you want. And I'll take the bacon. Okay. Okay. Um, I am at Dan says that on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us for some pretty awful takes and probably mostly pictures of food, which is a lot better than takes. So, yeah. Um, thanks everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Let's go Sixers on Saturday, three thirty ESPN against the Bucks. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll be tweeting and talking shit and whatever. So, uh, go Sixers and thanks everybody and trust the podcast.